Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once upon a time, I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication, but Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again, and here I am once more on a new phase of the journey to examine each of the endings of the works of Stephen King to determine whether or not King deserves his reputation for having an inability to successfully land his endings. The focus of the podcast will be to examine the climax, falling action, and resolution of the endings to each of his novels and break it down by character, themes, conflict, and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I will also weigh in on whether or not I happen to personally, subjectively like the ending. It's going to be a tough one today, guys, because I'm going to discuss the ending of Mr. Mercedes. Um, So for those of you who don't know, if you have listened to the Stephen King cast before um, and you have listened to my review of Mr. Mercedes, the book, you'll probably remember that I am not a fan of this book. And as I'll get into in my review of the the ending of Mr. Mercedes, it's sometimes it it's you know there are times when I'm able to, I'm able to look at things objectively you know through a new uh, set of eyes um, that happened with with Duma Key it happened with um, uh, Doctor Sleep it happened with um, uh, you know, I I really appreciated Under the Dome and eleven twenty two sixty three um, a lot more um, on the second time around than I did the, the first time around, and even some of his older books I I had so much more appreciation for, like you know Christine. Um, I, I I really appreciated what he had done, and you know what he did with um, Full Dark No Stars. I really appreciated more the, the than the first time around. But there are some books that I have tried, that I have not liked, that I have tried to be objective with. Eyes of the Dragon, Lisey's Story, and Mr. Mercedes are three that come to mind where I have really tried to go and say, okay, you know, clearly I was missing the mark on on this, but I, I just, I, I can't, I, I, I can't combat uh, you know, my, how I f- view uh, these books. And so this falls into Mr. Mercedes. Um, now, the thing with Mr. Mercedes that I find so fascinating is that I did not like the book, but I loved, I haven't seen the second season yet, but I loved that first season um, of the TV show by, by David, David E. Kelly, um, starring Brendan Gleeson. I thought it was amazing. It made me much more sympathetic of uh, Bill Hodges. I really enjoyed it. I really did. And I thought that me going back into the world of Mr. Mercedes, um, having watched that first season, it would make me, you know, like see something that I did not see. Um, I'm really getting ahead of myself. It's not the case. Um, I, I still feel how I feel about Mr. Mercedes. And so I say all of this to let everyone know that... When I talk about the objectivity of dissecting his endings, I don't know how objective I can be on this because I just don't really like the book. Um, and I and I kind of need your help. So I say all this, 
please write into stephenkingcast at yahoo.com to let me know your thoughts about the ending of Mr. Mercedes. Take the criteria that I normally use and I will continue to use that I will use in this in this episode um, to dissect whether or not it meets the criteria for being a good ending. I want you to do that. I want you to see if I am missing the mark, if I am wrong, because it's really important as we go through this experiment. It's why I have I have differentiated the objectivity and the subjectivity. Um, and, you know, I happen to um, think that in this case, I'm, I'm a little too little too uh, subjective to come down objectively um, and vice versa. So, yeah, just share your thoughts about Mr. Mercedes at uh, stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. Okay. Um, but first, uh, speaking of listener emails, um, I want to share some listener emails. And up first, we have Raymond who writes... I think that the series Chapel Weight is very interesting series to analyze. So um, Raymond is talking about the um, the uh, Adrian Brody starring uh, adaptation of Jerusalem's Lot that I need to watch. I really want to watch it. Um, so I think that the series Chapel Weight is very interesting series to analyze. Here are a few talking points I would like to hear you discuss. Where and how does this series differ from the story, or maybe even what few things from the story made it into the series, seeing it's quite different? Where do the series echo the other King work, most noticeably, obviously, for Salem's Lot, and especially Father Callahan? Is the ending of the series bad, or is it good? Spoiler alert for Chapel Wait, okay, for the ending of Chapel Wait. Why didn't they just bury the book in the church graveyard, considering his daughter, so again, Spoiler alert. Considering his daughter's rise from the sea, clearly he isn't going to drown, so is he just going to chill at the bottom of the sea forever? Love the cast. Excellent work. Raymond from Norway. Raymond, thank you for for listening. Um, Thank you for writing in. Um, I really hope to watch uh, Chapel Wait at some point. I think that uh, it's something that I want to do. I have MGM Plus. I have just been watching From, so the ads for Chapel Wait keep coming up. Um, from, by the way, if you have not watched it, I think that it's worth the, 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 the watch. I really enjoyed the first season. And here's the thing. My wife and I, we binged the the whole thing earlier this summer. Um, I hadn't heard anything about from at all last year. And then over the last couple months, just people seem to be talking about it. And it's cool. I like when a show starts to gain some traction. I was, we were really into the first season, um, but I, I, by the end of the second season, we weren't into it as much. I hope that, um, you know, I, I wish the, the, the show well, um, you know, especially for, for Harold Perrineau. Um, I, I want, I'm so glad to see that he's leading a, a show that is, you know, um, a lot of people are, are talking it, you know, talking about it, you know, being some sort of spiritual successor to Lost. And, you know, you can definitely see some um, connective threads there from some creatives that, you know, worked on on both shows, um, but also just in terms of the, the concepts. And so it, it's it's great. It's just that there is a development in the second season that kind of takes me out. Um, but it's anchored by a strong performance um, with Harold Perrineau. Um, 
you know, who, who famously played Michael in, in Lost. Um, so it's just, it's great to see. It's great to see him back at the center of this. And for, you know, horror fans out there, it's definitely worth, worth um, a watch. Um, but why did I bring that up? Oh, yeah, because I, we've been watching that on MGM Plus and, um, you know, the, the ads for Chapel Wait, Chapel Wait uh, have been popping up. So I do want to watch that. All right. Um, and then Graham writes, hey, CR, when you announced you were going to work through the endings, very funny episode, by the way, you mentioned you may swing back around to some of the short stories you're digging around to. In particular, you mentioned the Colorado Kid as you missed that one. Um, I really enjoyed this story. I want to write to you in the hope that you will add it to your reading list. As I've said to you before, as have others, the best bit about finishing a Stephen King book is diving right into your supplemental podcast and hearing your insights into the story that I've just finished. Unfortunately, we don't have one this time. I'd love nothing more than to hear your take on what this mystery is all about. Interestingly, the foreword to the book written by one of the founders of the Hard Case Crimes describes how they got Stephen King on board. Then move on to tell you that you may find the book frustrating and that the central mysteries of the story are not explained. Sounds great so far, right? Spoiler alert for Colorado Kid, everybody. I was immediately put off, but when I started the first few pages, the main characters established that the main mystery is not solved and that the nature of a lot of the mysteries of life. Not everything is explainable. That's what this book is trying to say. When the mystery is teased, the main characters are talking about other unsolved mysteries, and then familiar small cut-off main island starts to come alive. I was hooked. I devoured the novel in four hours over two days. It's pretty short. Now, I'm not saying that this one is one of his best stories or one with a greatly intriguing mystery, but definitely worth a read. A bigger mystery, however, why you, constant reader, haven't read this story. Why'd you skip it rather than seek it out? I just caught up with all of your last endings of um, The Dark Tower 5 and 6. Um, reminds me of how much I loved Wolves of the Kala. One of my friends had just finished The Gunslinger and can't wait to see his reaction to the later books when it all goes batshit crazy. If you have time for a Colorado Kid review, I would greatly appreciate it. It also tie in nicely with your current chronological timeline, Colorado Kid following Dark Tower 7. It's perfect. It's Ka. Hope you enjoyed as much as I did. From the end of the foreword of The Colorado Kid, stories that don't answer all of your questions are the ones you remember for a lifetime. Glad your content is coming out more regularly again. Regularly again, you're still my OG King podcast. All the best, Graham. Graham, thank you so much. Um, and I have, you know, so for the longest time, I did not uh, dive into the Colorado Kid. So the Colorado Kid had come out post Dark Tower 7, um, the Dark Tower. And when I read the Dark Tower, it... The, the final book when I finished it, it was the fever pitch climax to my Stephen King uh, obsession. And at the time I was as a fan disappointed with how things wrapped up with the dark tower. And I kind of just was burnt out by King, you know, obviously with this podcast existing, I fell back in love with Stephen King and I have come to really appreciate what he did with the dark tower um, very, very much so. Um, but after the Dark Tower, when, when he did Colorado Kid, I, I just, I didn't want that. So I didn't seek it out since then. Um, you know, I, I have read it. I've reviewed it. So if you head onto the, you know, the, the feed, you'll be able to find the Colorado Kid ending. Um, not, not just the ending, um, but my review of the, the Colorado Kid, which I very much enjoyed for all of the reasons that you talked about. I thought it was a, a very enjoyable book um, about the mysteries of life and 
a lack of resolution. You know, so much um, in life, we, we want to seek out the answers to things and we want closure and we want resolution and, you know, we want to believe that there's so much order out there and there's not. Life is messy. Life is chaos. We live in a chaotic uh, universe. Um, and, you know, we are all just walking idiosyncrasies of, of habits and interests and different beliefs. Um, and we have good days and we have bad days. We have good streaks. We have bad streaks. We have highs. We have lows. And every day we interact with someone else about something we um, where we're at might not you know correlate where someone else is at in their lives at that particular moment and that particular day and everything is combustible and we're always pinging off of each other and um, things are not neat or clean they are messy that is life and for a book to be able to cover that so succinctly and have its themes wrapped up in that uh, in that concept I I think that I, it, it's brave that he did that. Um, uh, it's, it's good. It's really good. Um, so uh, speaking of, of good, um, conversely, maybe not so good. Let's turn our attention back to Mr. Mercedes. Um, uh, and in order for me to refamiliarize myself with Mr. Mercedes and to talk about the ending, it's important for us to be able to, um, you know, understand uh Mr. Mercedes in its entirety, so I'll read the Wikipedia summary so I have a basis to, to talk about the conclusion. From Wikipedia. The driver of a Mercedes S-Class plows into the crowd of people at a job fair, killing eight and severely injuring many. Mr. S uh, the Mercedes has been stolen from a woman named Olivia Trelawney, who later kills herself out of guilt. Bill Hodges, a recently retired detective from the local police department, receives a letter from an individual claiming to be the culprit, referring to himself as Mr. Mercedes. Hodges is divorced, lonely, and fed up with his life, occasionally considering suicide. The letter in intrigues Hodges, who currently investigates, who investigates the case instead of turning the letter over to his former police colleague, Pete Huntley. Brady Hartsfeld, the man behind the fair job, Job Fair Massacre is emotionally disturbed psychopath who lost his father at the age of eight. When he was a young boy, he killed his mentally handicapped brother at the prompting of his alcoholic mother, with whom he has an incestuous relationship. Brady works in an electronics store and sells ice cream from a truck as his second job. Riding in the truck enables him to observe Hodges and his neighbors, among them 17-year-old Jerome Robinson, who does small chores for Hodges. Hodges meets Janie Trelawney, who's who is Olivia's sister who hires him to investigate her suicide and the theft of the Mercedes Hodges and Janie soon begin dating Hodges finds out with the help of computer savvy Jerome, how Mr. Mercedes stole the car and drove Olivia whom he made in contact through his job at the electronics shop to suicide by leaving eerie sound files on her computer that were set off to go off at unpredictable intervals, which escalated her feelings of guilt. At the funeral of Janie and Olivia's recently deceased mother, Hodges meets Janie's unpleasant relatives, among them her emotionally and unstable cousin Holly. After the funeral, Brady watches as Hodges' car rolls toward the church. He mistakenly thinks Hodges is behind the wheel when in fact it is Janie. As the car approaches Holly and Hodges, Brady remotely blows up the car, killing Janie. Uh, Hodges feels remorse but becomes even more eager to solve the case without the help of the police. 
Holly joins Hodges and Jerome in the investigation. Brady accidentally kills his mother with poison hamburger, which he had prepared for Jerome's dog. With her rotting body in the house, he plans to commit suicide by blowing himself up at a concert using explosives hidden inside a wheelchair. Jerome, Hodges, and Holly manage to uncover Brady's real identity and search his computer. They eventually deduce that Brady's plan and rush the concert to stop him. Uh, Hodges begins to suffer a heart attack and is unable to venture into the concert but urges Holly and Jerome to press on. Holly locates Brady and delivers several harsh blows to his head uh, using Hodges' happy slapper, a sock filled with ball bearings. Brady is left bleeding and comatose. Hodges, who has been saved by the concert staff, Holly and Jerome have a picnic to discuss the recent events. Hodges has learned that he will not be criminally charged for his actions regarding the Mr. Mercedes investigation. Holly and Jerome have received medals from the city, congratulating them on their work. Meanwhile, Brady awakens from his coma and asks to see his mother. So the climax, uh, Hodges, Jerome, and Holly deduce Brady's identity. The falling action is the race against time at the concert and the resolution. Holly and Jerome receive medals as Brady wakes up. Criteria for a good ending. Does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters? That is consistent with the characters, actions, conflicts, or themes of the book. This is where I struggle. I don't think it does. You know, I, I, I guess the question here is, what is King's intent with the book? And, and, and this is where we have to weigh execution um, of intent. Um, does he purposefully go out of his way to show Hodges as, uh, I mean, we know that he's fallible, but incompetent, I, I, I guess. We, we have a borderline incompetent hero who is upstaged by, um, you know, his, his uh, you know, sidekicks, so to speak. Um, Hodges doesn't save the day. He is inconsequential in the ending of, of the novel. So, I mean, from a, a character standpoint, I don't think that it is. Um, well, maybe, well, okay. So the word here is consistent. Yes, it is consistent with the actions. He failed before he fails again. Okay, so if this is a book about failure, and I don't think that necessarily it is, um, that it is consistent. Um, this is not a triumphant moment for Bill, but I don't think that King was going out of his way to illustrate Bill as a failure. I, I, I just think that the execution of the Bill Hodges character, I, I don't think there's a, a point or a purpose. And because of that, I think that it does not apply, uh, you know, have an appropriate conclusion because it seems to be so aimless. Does it successfully wrap up the plot? Specifically, do the events build upon one another with consistency? I, I don't believe that it does. Again, as I stated in the full review, it seems as though our main characters are inert. They're moving and investigating, but they seem to be stumbling into the ending. And I'll get into this in a little bit more. Are there Do, do the conclusions serve the theme, symbolism, and motifs? I don't think there are any themes. So I, I think that like that's a not applicable question. What's the most famous scene in the novel? Does it appear in the conclusion of the story? Probably the beginning of him, you know, plowing through the, the crowd. 
Are there other factors that we need to consider? Um, uh, not really. I mean, I, you know, I talked about the fact that I, you know, struggle with this book. Um, I, I famously don't like the book, but I love the show. You know, there's actually, there is a major factor here. This is the introduction. This book has the introduction to a character that has gone on to um, exist outside of um, the this trilogy, and that's Holly. Um, Holly is one of Stephen King's favorite characters. Um, you know, many years ago, I had talked about how I think it's kind of a missed opportunity that we never got to see the further adventures of Alan Pangborn. Um, as he investigates, you know, small supernatural goings on. Well, we get that with Holly Gibney, um, which is great to see because she's a fantastic character. And despite any issues that I have with um, this book, Holly is a great character um, and I love seeing her, her adventures. So uh, do I like the ending? No, I don't like the ending. Is it a good ending? And this is what I struggle with. Um, so... I went back to see what I said about the ending in the main review. Bill finally determines that it's Brady by discovering the computer repair trail following um, by following a picture of three techniques, one of whom he recognizes as the ice cream man. Bill, Jerome, and Holly head to Brady's house, discover the mother, and Bill, realizing it's time to inform the police, um, you know, but miraculously, the ATV had busted a bunch of bad guys who the cops pin on the explosion at the funeral for some reason, but allows time to um, I'm sorry, I'm not quite sure what I wrote there, but I wrote that it's a very convenient insertion of fortune into the story. It also takes a lot of the police off of working at a concert that night, which is also convenient. Then Hodges, who has not told the police, continues to make boneheaded decisions by dismissing the idea that Brady would tar target the Civic Center until Jerome and Holly, two characters who are actually competent, hack the computers to discover that, yes, he's targeting the Civic Center, which doesn't land with any weight because A, the reader already knew this, and B, the characters flirted with this idea before dismissing it. And to make things worse, Jerome can't get through to his mom and sister at the concert, which is unbelievable. They might not be able to pick up, but I guarantee you they'll be able to text back once they got the text. And in terms of suspension of disbelief, Brady also happens to accidentally be in uh, proximity of Jerome's sister. And it's not even Hodges who saves the day. It's Holly and Jerome. In retrospect, Bill Hodges is the worst. He antagonizes Brady, which leads to Janie's death. He never talks to the police. He dismissed the idea of Brady targeting the Civic Center. As a cop, he didn't talk to the Grand Theft Auto detectives, which could have helped crack the case. And in the finale, he's not even a part of it. It's one of King's most anticlimactic endings. The fact that Phil, Bill fumbles so much in the end, is it purposeful? And if so, does it serve a purpose? What I'm going back to again, it's why I struggle with, it's why I didn't include it in the character portion of the analysis because I can't even justify that the book is about the next generation picking up the mess of the current generation. I don't think that's what King is going for in a larger sense. I think he was just writing a crime thriller without any larger aims, which is fine. I just feel he was missing something in being able to pull off an ending. That's what I felt at the time. It's what I still feel. And as a result... I don't like the ending. I don't think it was a good ending. So I happen to like 39 out of 46 endings, and we've established that 38 out of 46 endings are good. But with that, I might be missing something. I might have my blinders on when it comes to 
Mr. Mercedes. So if you have any thoughts, please write into stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. Okay, so next week we will um, be switching gears. We're going to be changing lanes and moving from Mr. Mercedes to Revival, 2014's Revival. Um, so if you have any thoughts about Revival or Mr. Mercedes, write into stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. If you have any um, time on your hands, a review on iTunes would really help me out. Um, all right, so may you have long days and pleasant nights, and I'll see you here next week where M-O-O-N spells Stephen Kingcast. <laughs>